and I feel like it's just because I put that so, that much pressure and stress and was kind of thinking about all these you know things that I couldn't control that kind of led to that so that's just give you a bit of an example about why I think mindset was kind of important important to kind of dive into and I wish I'd done What's up guys, it's Tom from Chalking Fitness. Really hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you're not already following Chalking Fitness on Instagram, please do. Uh, it's at Chalking Fitness, where there's not only promotion for the podcast episodes, but also news and reviews that are of real interest to the UK-centric CrossFit and functional fitness community. Hope you enjoy this episode. If you want to support the channel further, then do check out the link in the show notes. Enjoy. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Chalking Fitness Podcast. This week, I am delighted to be joined by Jack Cornthwaite. Jack, welcome to the podcast. Good evening, Tom. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, thank you. You are someone that no doubt will be known to many, if dare I say it, most within the UK CrossFit scene and more further abroad. Uh, been involved with JST Compete as a, as a coach since, I think, 2015, right? Yeah, you're, you're about right there. Um, my kind of CrossFit journey started just a year before that. Um, I actually had a, a real job before I was a CrossFit coach and an athlete. But yeah, Steve, Steve and John gave me an opportunity to move there in 2015 uh, and actually coach there and uh, have the opportunity to kind of train alongside as well. Um, and yeah, kind of things things kind of grew from there, really. Oh no! Well, I'm, I'm first of all thank you very much for kind of spending some time, uh, kind of chatting to me. I've, I've, I, I, I love the the breadth and depth of people that I get to speak to um, through the podcast. And I reckon one one thing, a question I was going to ask actually is like, you know, so we're we're speaking in what is it November? Is and you know qualifiers have started again, but live comps have started in the UK. Is there really such a thing as as the off season? Did you get a little bit of a break, kind of uh, at all? Um, so how me and Steve kind of always were. It's like our our season was when the Open started, and then usually you know between regionals or the games if we made it. Um, so everything kind of leading up to that and outside of that was our off season. Um, obviously, like you say, there's so many competitions these days that people can kind of pick and choose, you know, when they want to peak for, when their season is. They might want to do a couple of like national comps from September to December, if that kind of fits with their work calendar and all that sort of stuff. So you can kind of pick and choose it when you want to. Uh, when you want to at the moment but like I say for those that are aiming for that higher higher level and you know that want to push towards the the games and stuff most of the time you would say it is really between um, you know that February to um, to July uh, so to speak with probably mini little off seasons in inverted commas within that so yeah yeah. In fact, I was I was chatting to Evander not too long ago and it was like, do you have to kind of really sit down and understand like what's your intent? Is it peaking for the open? Is it yeah. having a blast on the kind of, you know, the domestic season competition floor, whether it be the European champs, now the Arnold Fitness Games? You know, I guess you really have to, to kind of sit down and, and have a think about it if you want to be effective with your training. Yeah, definitely. It's just having a goal. You know, if you've got something to aim for uh, and then you can put a process in place to work towards that. You're just going to have, you know, a much, much better training, much better lead up, um, 
I think one of the things that we a lot of people learn from lockdown um, and they could get, you know, a good at least probably nine months of training without any competitions is I think people got a lot better in that time and probably, you know, a lot better quicker than what they have before when they maybe have been doing, you know, a lot of competitions throughout the year. Um, but obviously mm-hmm. now we're on the back end of all that sort of stuff. Um, like you say, setting a goal and deciding, you know, what you want to do um, and how you're going to do it is is pretty pretty key, really. So, yeah, and and I'm, I must I'm going to wrap my own knuckles here because uh, you know talking about setting a plan of what you're going to do. Uh, speaking to you know one of, you know yourself as a very established, well known coach, I've completely just kind of sandbagged the warm up and jumped straight into kind of uh, the, the, the guts of the question. So I'm going to drag myself back to some good some good movement prep in the to- in the form of two uh, two warm up questions, if that's all right. Yeah, for sure. Fire away, mate. <laughs> so I always ask people like, if you were going to um, if you were allowed to program your own birthday workout, what are the three <laughs> movements you're going to choose? Deadlift. Snatch, legless rope climb, pull, pull, pull. That is my game all day long, mate. <laughs> and do you know what? Do you know where that? Do you know where that comes from? So, my sport before CrossFit was sailing. So for like an hour, you know, up to an hour, sometimes over an hour, I'd just be constantly pulling a rope in and out, moving a tiller in and out. Um, and just years of just doing lots of pulling has obviously meant when I've come to do CrossFit, I'm pretty good at doing pulling movements. So, yeah, yeah that would be my workout. Anything with those three movements, throw it at me. Don't care. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. And, and and I mentioned before we came on pod that I've done a bit of sailing myself. And so anyone listening, I'm going to make one reference mm-hmm. there. And you'll know you don't cleat off the main sheet if you really want to be getting the most out of uh, out of the, the wind. What, what, <laughs> what did you used to sail, Tom? What sort of boats? I used to sail a laser as well. Oh, so, did you? Uh, right, okay. Never to the standard that you were. It's similar to CrossFit in that sense. Uh, <laughs> no but, way. Yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, uh, weirdly, I grew up in um, I grew up in Sheffield, um, so sailed at um, a, a, a sailing club called uh, Sheffield Viking Sailing Club on Dam Flask. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when I when I was sailing in mainly in the mainly in the nineties, a little bit in the kind of early noughties, it yeah. was it, it was the time of uh, hosepipe bands, and it it meant that the the longest time you went in a straight line was pulling the boat back up the slipway to the top of the <laughs> the empty reservoir. <laughs> Man, well, I, I was the noughties, so we had, we had a bit more water, I think, and then less probably hosepipe bands, probably because of global warming or something like that. <laughs> I, I was like national national circuit in, in the lasers and toppers before that as well. So, like I said, my I did that for eight years before I played a bit of rugby, then did a bit of CrossFit after. So, yeah, that pulling definitely pays off when it comes to them, them pulling workouts in CrossFit as well, so... Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, that kind of gets me into what kind of like, you know, my, my first, uh, first question. So, you know, I, I dragged us back to the warm up, but you've nicely brought me back on, <laughs> onto the guts of, of what I wanted to ask you. So, you know, you've, you've been to regionals five times, uh, twice mm-hmm. in an individual, three times as a team, you've been to the games twice on a team. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're taking CrossFit seriously, but you were, you know, you mentioned you did, was it eight years on the, on the kind of national circuit before that? Um, yeah. so, 
you know, you were, you were taking your you were taking your sailing very seriously then. I mean, how did you kind of? I, I, I don't really know how I got into sailing, but how did you get into it to such a degree? So um, the first time I ever went sailing, my grandpa took me down to the local sailing club because he was he was kind of into it. Um, and the, he took us out. My brother actually went first, who's younger than me, and was steering for a bit. Uh, he did all right. And then I swapped in, and I was obviously, you know, steering it, trying to do the main sheet, and I ended up capsizing us somehow. Um, actually hated it after that first time, but my grandpa was like, no, 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 come on, let's let's try and get you to do it again. Um, so that's how I actually got into sailing. And he was always very pernickety about the finer details. So, like For those that um, aren't too familiar with sailing, you're constantly having to pull the sail in and out, adjust it to the wind, um, and also like your tiller as well. And there's tactics in it. There's a, it's been described before as uh, a move, like a, a water-based game of chess. Um, so there's mm-hmm. a, a lot of kind of tactics and strategy within it. Um, but just going back to the my grandpa, he, he definitely kind of instilled in me the the idea that you should always, you know, be looking to improve things. There's always something that you can be doing to, um, you know, make the boat make the boat go faster. Uh, in inverted commas. So, yeah, that was kind of mm-hmm. my introduction to sailing. <laughs> yeah. And and to steal a, a phrase then from from the sport of CrossFit, every second counts, right? There's always something you can be doing to fine tune efficiency uh, of movement. It's, it's true, yeah, definitely. Um, and it, especially like that's definitely passed on from from when I was sailing. Um, especially when you're on like the national squads for for sailing, you know, you had a coach who had eyes on you. Um, giving you kind of constant feedback or give you a bit of feedback, go around the other guys. Um, you'd be in this high performance environment. You know, everyone's a similar level. It's like the best youths in the country or, you know, the best sailors in the country going to training camps together, um, really kind of, you know, trying to squeeze every inch, um, you know, out of, out of the boat. Um, so I'd say, you know, being in that environment, again, uh, in sailing, definitely set me up for um you know what was to come in in my crossfit career so to speak mm. yeah oh no definitely and and i was reading your your bio on uh, the the fitter app you know where you talk about analyzing and assessing and programming and so i can really see kind of start to see where that comes from and i, I definitely want to ask you more about that before i do that i do want to jump back onto your kind of like i guess you, your when you competition and competing was was your, like your own competing competition was your, your main focus. So mm-hmm. I, originally I was going to ask like, oh, so was there crossover between sailing and CrossFit, but there was rugby in the middle. I mean, did 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 sailing and then, I'm, I'm guessing rugby will have complemented that kind of like endurance base, but, you know, you you kind of got into kind of CrossFit at uh, CrossFit JST in like 2014, straight into the uh, the kind of regionals team where you were bringing a good, a good engine and good strength with you. Was that... Was that something that you'd really worked on within rugby? Um, so I did sailing until I was like 20. I was at university when I when I kind of stopped. Um, I got to a point where like I was getting into going out, having fun, drinking. Um, 
And the initial reason why I went to the university that I did was to sail on the Seymour. It was down at Bangor in North Wales. So I did move to Bangor with good intentions. Um, but obviously, like I say, the partying kind of took over. Um, and it was at that point where I started to plateau in sailing and I took the step away from sailing, um, but then picked up rugby league. Um, and like I say, it kind of the fitness and the endurance that I had from sailing, you know, passed on into rugby like I found I was naturally um you know pretty pretty fit like I'd, I was fitter than most of the other lads that were on the pitch really um I'd gone to the gym since I was 16 as well anyway so I had a good kind of strength base um so yeah it kind of it kind of set me up nicely going from into it kind of just filled a void like I've always been competitive and I think after sailing you know I needed to do something else that was competitive so it was almost like a bridge in between, like, you know, actual sailing, rugby, into CrossFit. It was like competitive, competitive, competitive. Um, and that's all I've ever, you know, really been into is just performance, really. Um, even though initially when I went to the gym, it was a little bit more about aesthetics. But as I discovered how the gym could be used for performance, I just naturally kind of started to you know gravitate towards that side of things so yeah and so in terms of like you know there's there was always that competitive element in there um you know in 2015 i think you you started coaching full-time is that right um yeah that's correct CrossFit jst yeah and jst compete um and that really i mean i noticed that you know it catapulted you kind of into the kind of top top 300 worldwide in the open in 2016 so that ability to focus um and you know you continued to kind of compete in you know team all the way to the games in 2017 2019 how much of a like a useful synergy was there between say developing yourself as a coach but also still being kind of a you know an athlete in your own right was it was it always a synergy or were there sometimes kind of conflict conflicts of interest no i'd say there was a good synergy there really um crossfit is pretty unique in that it's it's quite a new sport um so especially like you know three four five years ago there wasn't really that many good crossfit coaches really and especially at the elite level as well um so i was kind of introduced to jst through phil hesketh so i i used to work I live in, lived in Accrington and I worked in the Wirral. Um, and on the way back from work, which was, it was now an off drive, like GST was about halfway. So it ended up fitting quite well. Um, and that's obviously when I was kind of introduced to Steve. And they used to have a competitive class there as well. So I was kind of learning things firsthand off, you know, Phil and Steve had been to regionals like a year or two before I even, you know, turned up. Uh, in the picture so I was kind of picking things up off them and also while I was at university um, I kind of knew I was going to go into CrossFit after I finished university um, and there was an ex-Asian uh, Games champion weightlifter that was doing his PhD at Bangor um, and he was good mates with my friend Lewis because he couldn't speak very good English so Lewis used to help him out with his PhD in return for him kind of giving us lessons uh, in weightlifting. So I had a pretty oh, like wow. decent, yeah. So I had a pretty decent understanding of, of weightlifting uh, before I kind of fully went into CrossFit as well. 
So I kind of, mm. I was the guy that turned up to CrossFit GST and I could clean and jerk 130 and snatch 105 or 107, but I couldn't, I could barely string double unders together. I could barely string toes to bar together. <laughs> um, so that was kind of me when I first, you know, got stuck into it. Um, but coming back to your question of the synergy between an athlete and a coach, like I was learning things firsthand, all these new skills. And because they were really fresh in my mind when I was learning them, when I made the transition a year later after um, kind of training at JST for a year or two, it kind of, because it was fresh there, what I'd learned and picked up, I could then quite easily pass on to uh, the people that, I, you know, that wanted PTs or I was coaching in the classes because it was like I've learned it firsthand and now I can apply it straight into a situation where I'm having to um, guide other people or coach other people. So it actually worked really well in that I was learning it by watching others and being told how to do it. And then I was also coaching, which was also forcing me to like learn more and it kind of just became more embedded. Um, so it's a bit of a double whammy really, which was, it was pretty good. Um, I'd say now it's getting more to the extent where there are more knowledgeable coaches around. Um, and I feel like more people know, you know, what the what the crack is with CrossFit. It's not just kind of, um, you know, more people seem to know what they're doing. And I suppose, they, yeah, they always say that, like, best way to really understand something yourself is to try and teach it to somebody. So, yeah, to be to be kind of compounding that, you know, learning it yourself and then maybe only within a few weeks kind of like reiterating it and, and almost re-exploring it with someone else, you know. They, you know and, and, and there's the old adage of like just relearning the basics regardless of how long you've been doing something. It's always good to kind of like return to the kind of the fundamentals of the air squat or whatever it might be. It's a, do you know what? It's a, it's a great point. And when... I was again when I, I don't do much PT and or coaching quite as much now, but back then when I was an athlete, like when I was PT and coaching to kind of make ends meet, like I was doing loads of kip swings, I was doing like loads of basic movements that were just reinforcing good movement patterns when it came to the more technical stuff as well. So I was just getting loads of reps in of stuff that you know was actually helping me when it came to being an athlete. And just going back to your other point of, you know, like teaching it as well as, you know, kind of learning it, um, like as, as well, coaching it as well as co being coached as well as coaching it. Um, there's a girl called, called Sophia that's kind of moved down to Wigan. Um, she's like 18 years old and she is going to do sports science in Germany. She's just qualified for what a loser in the team category. But I'm just trying to apply a similar thing in that, um, we're going through like the theory of stuff together um, and then she's trying to work out oh how can that be applied to my training or like we'll use another athlete as an example as well so she's kind of getting you know a similar thing to what I had back then but there's a theory in there a bit more theory and then she's kind of applying it to what she's doing now so yeah oh awesome um, so you mentioned that there's more kind of experienced coaches around now who have got a, got got their got a grip on like really like what competitive CrossFit is. But there's probably a lot fewer experienced coaches that have got your background in sailing. Maybe someone like Anna Tunnicliffe, right? She another another sailor, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. 
But what what do you so going back to what you mentioned earlier around you know there was always that just trying to I think you know people won't necessarily understand sailing, but it's I think it's another sport where it's very clear that it's you against kind of the obstacle in front of you, and that's the kind of getting the boat from A to B with a lot of things that aren't under your control, you know, and that your competitors are on the competition floor or out on the course with you, but you're not directly competing with them kind of, you know, there's, there's, there's enough to go around as it were. So Mm -hmm. what, and so you're really then kind of really looking for that every second, every efficiency, like what are some of the kind of elements of that background in sailing then that you really kind of bring into your kind of coaching within kind of the CrossFit sphere? Like you said, there's so many factors, there's so many factors in sailing that, you can't control um, and there's nothing you can do about all those things about that you can't control. You can only do what you're doing and what you can control and that's you adjusting the main sheet and the tiller, um, you know, your tactics, when the wind shifts, you make, you know, you make your decision if you're going to tack or not, change direction and that's basically all you can do. You've got to kind of preempt as best you can um to what what you think might happen but again you can only control what you control um and similar in the sense now as a coach um and as an athlete i i feel like i'm that's made me quite laid back it's made me quite a laid back person um so i really try and hit home the point to my athletes like look as long as you're controlling everything you can you know are you keeping on top of your diet keeping on top of your sleep um you know if you're going into training feeling not so great don't worry about it just do the best that you can today it doesn't matter if you know if you if you've done everything you can you know leading up leading up to the session like you you can't worry how you feel it's just you know you've got to do uh, the best you can with what you've got in the moment you're in so um really being able to con- only focus on what you control is uh, a big thing that I try and get across um probably a- another another thing is um like we said before about all the all the inches um like I said before it's not just the stuff in training um it's the stuff outside as well uh so again when when I was kind of on these training camps you know they take you through um you know fitness tests you've got the data there that they can give you feedback on um then they take you through nutrition stuff and then they go through specific supplements and it's just same thing now trying to educate your athletes like you've got to make sure that that you're on top of all that just as much as you are on top of your training because that's gonna you know have the biggest knock-on effects to your training ultimately yeah and i think it's there's so much so much that you can kind of look into like say on and off the competition floor in and out of the gym um and so do you think like it's it's important then for for an aspiring athlete at any level but a competitive athlete regardless of their their level to have kind of like an awareness of breadth like say of everything that they should be thinking about rather than necessarily trying to say really focus on you know getting a specific skill or 
um, or or maybe kind of getting their lifts up, and but then that maybe they're not focusing on something outside of their gym because you can try to sharpen just that bit of the axe, but if the rest of it's still blunt, you're not going to be as effective. Is it better to be have have an awareness in the breadth rather than say necessarily working on specific points? Um, great question, but uh, I, it's it's one of them where, like you said, you want to keep an eye on the breadth. So it's keeping that bigger perspective is really important because there are going to be certain specific areas that you are going to need to focus on and really work on. And it's one of them like, right, my handstand push-ups might be good enough, might be at a decent level and I need to work more on my pulling work, for example. So it's like, right, we maintain the level of handstand push-ups that we've got, but obviously we want to bring up these pull-ups to the same level. Um, and like I say as long as you can keep that perspective and be like right yeah I can accept that we need to work on this more than this um, then you know in your mind you should be more comfortable because it's like right I've made that decision you know even myself or with my coach like I've accepted that you know I don't need to work on this movement as much as this one this one needs more work let's bring that up first and then reassess once we've, you know, got it to where we need to. Yeah. We, we've, we've nicely kind of segued into, I guess, something that could be described as, as mindset, right. In, in terms of being comfortable in that you're doing everything that you should be, um, that's within your control and to try not to sweat the stuff that's out outside of your control. Um, that's something I think that, um, you know, is, is, is often thrown around within the, um, within the kind of CrossFit sphere, right? You know, and like just, you know, focus on your own, stay in your own lane and there's many other ways mm-hmm. of describing it. Um, do, you, do you see then like, you know, they talk about the 10 elements of fitness and there's so many different. Do you see like, you know, the 11th element being the kind of mindset, the ability to, to kind of like execute training effectively or sustain training effectively and then execute effectively on the competition floor? Yeah, 100%. I think uh, for me, I, I didn't really... Didn't really give mindset too much thought while I was an athlete, and in hindsight, it's probably one of my biggest regrets. Um, for example, to give you a bit of a an, an example of that, so going into strength and depth, this first sanctional in twenty eighteen, um, like I was going into that competition, and I felt like I was putting so much pressure and stress on myself that I was like, right, this year I need to make the games. Like I've got to make the games. It was just kind of building up and building up um, and like I'd had my best off seasons worth of training and, and everything else um, and I got to Sid and I was just I just felt burnt out I just didn't have uh, that oomph to give come the weekend and I feel like it's just because I put that so, that much pressure and stress and was kind of thinking about all these you know things that I couldn't control um, that kind of led to that so that's just to give you a bit of an example about why I think mindset was kind of important, important to kind of dive into and I wish I'd done. But lockdown gave me a good opportunity to kind of explore that a little more. Um, like I'll, I'll really big up, he's called Damien Hughes, he co- co-hosts the High Performance Podcast. Um, like I've, I've, he's got a, a lot of great books on like culture and mindset 
um, and I've kind of just really immersed myself in all the stuff he's kind of um, like written um, and spoken about. Um, but the the key things that I kind of learned were keep things simple. It's important to have a basic understanding of like how the mind works. So, for example, Steve Peters calls it your chimp. Um, other examples are the rider and the elephant. Um, and then from that, knowing that how your mind works, you can then identify situations in your training or outside of training uh, to be like, right, I've got control of this situation rather than you just kind of throwing your belt to one side, kicking the barbell. Um, you can start to develop your emotional intelligence as well there. Um, so those are kind of two key, probably the the most two key, key things that I've picked up um, from the past kind of 12 months, really, uh, and working with athletes more. Because another good example of uh, one of the athletes that I did coach was Evie, who you had on the other, other week. Um, yeah, yeah. So I kind of programmed uh, for her leading up to semifinals this year. And a big thing for her that we said after quarterfinals was just have that confidence and just believe in yourself because, like, I know that you're good enough and the scores that you put in training are, are more than good enough. Just have that belief in yourself now going into semifinals that you can get into that top five and go to the games or, you know, be just and just but focus on doing your best each day. Mm. You know, take it one day at a time. And she pulled out an awesome performance at semifinals. And then, you know, she did the last chance qualifiers after. Um, and I think yeah. just saying, me saying to her, her that I believed in her. And then she was like, oh, like, you know, that kind of flicked a switch in her mind a little bit. She was like, then I, oh yeah, like, I feel like I can believe in myself. It was almost like, say, a switch had been flicked. And that's just by, you know, saying a couple of words and just empowering someone a little bit. And that, I'd say that's mindset as well, really. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think it's really important. Yeah. Now, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, over the years, I've, I've read, I think there's a lot of books in, well, Ben Bergeron's written like Chasing Excellence, which talks a little mm -hmm. bit around kind of mindset within the kind of with a CrossFit narrative to it, right? So it was probably one yeah. of the ones that I could relate to. But he's repackaging a lot of stuff from kind of the like the wider kind of um, topics. So like Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which I don't get the the title feels a bit weird, but actually there's a lot of stuff in there. But one of the things, so I've read a lot of a lot of books around that. But one of the things I'd always I think I've missed and it's the, the other the second topic you picked up on was that kind of understanding how the mind works so like mm -hmm. I've got the um is it the is it called the chimp paradox that that book? yeah it is um or, yeah yeah but I've I've not read it and I think you know and I'm making this about me now but it's one of the mm -hmm. things I think I do need to go away um and and try to understand a little bit because it's all well and good about having great intent and being like i'm going to be intentional with my training and but it's never going to be right it's never going to go to plan all the time and you perhaps i i'm thinking now i need to perhaps give my, cut myself a little slack and understand how perhaps i sometimes respond when it doesn't go right again yeah it's, it's definitely worth exploring for sure because for example if you go into a training session and you know why you are doing something 
you're probably going to buy into it more. Um, mm. And it's the same. It's the same with your like with your mindset. So if you know how your mind works, you can then kind of use it to your you know your benefit. So to give you an an example, I quite I grasp the rider and the the elephant thing more. Um, so the elephant is kind of can be irrational, impulsive, um, but also good in the sense that that's when you might take. Uh, that leap of faith or, you know, is it on the other side of things with the elephant and the riders more kind of um, will think about things like mm. sometimes too much um, is careful, um, wants to kind of plan it out a little bit more. Um, so for example, say you're, say you miss a snatch and you, you kind of flip out. That's your elephant taking over and, um, when a better reaction to that, if you know that, right, ah, that's my elephant that's just kind of taken over there, you can be like, right, I'm going to take a step back from this rather than like just going for this next rep and just trying to do the same thing. What can I adjust to make sure that I hit the next rep? So that could be that rider kind of taking over and you make, you rationalize in that situation. Because again, if you rationalize the situation, you can then make a, like an educated kind of you know decision about what you're going to do to make sure that you're either going to hit the next rep or just what's going to benefit you going forward Mm. Uh, no definitely I do think it's such a an increasingly critical part of of kind of crossfit whether it be because you're taking it serious as a competitor or it's part of a a method it's just the methodology and 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 i've repeatedly said that probably getting into crossfit you know i got into that in like 2014 it was the first time i started taking the gym home with me because it was more Mm -hmm. and again probably moving away from the aesthetics thinking more around the kind of you know like it became a little bit more of a lifestyle and what i could get from it mentally as, as well as physically and I've spoken to folk on and off pod and I'm always amazed at how switched on people are to kind of how how they're behaving physically and mentally. Um and I've mm-hmm. had some comments actually that as a as a as a young sport which is still emerging, we we regardless of our competitive level, we take it really really seriously. Did <laughs> did you find that at all like coming from like rugby league and then kind of coming in being like there's a lot less people drinking or there's a lot of, maybe that maybe that's making too much of a stereotype right so apologies if that's <laughs> offending any of the <laughs> players but just to you know to, it's a lot more uh, uh people take it really serious from a very kind of entry level i know i know exactly what you mean like in in rugby both league and union you know there's more of a drinking culture isn't there um in sailing probably less so uh i'd say it was pretty serious uh you, you you tended to get quite a lot of uh what we'd call oaps over anxious parents um that are trying to <laughs> you know get the kids to do this and this and they really can be quite pushy at times um but like I say in the sailing environment it was more similar to the crossfit environment everyone was kind of especially when you're on the national squads everyone was just so switched on um like making sure that you know they're not going out drinking the doing the gym training as well as the the actual sailing um but like you say 
it is, I'll give, you know, it is impressive. Like CrossFitters, they are in the, when you, if you took like the whole world, CrossFitters are really a lot more disciplined than the average person. Like, like you say, they, they don't tend to go out to drink that much, really. They eat pretty healthily. They're quite aware of the body, both physically and mentally, probably more so to, you know, more to an extent than most other people. So, yeah, I definitely, definitely agree with you there. Uh, that's that's uh, interesting. It's it's one of the things I, I find fascinating. It keeps me interested, keeps me on the podcast as well, right? Because I'm, you know, like you say, just, yeah. just kind of so kind of passionate about it. Um, the final question I've got for you then, and you mentioned this around the kind of national circuit in sailing and, and like, you know, that, that was, people took that pretty serious. And, and I guess it's as an Olympic sport, um, you know, regardless of how small it is as a kind of like at the participatory level, but it's an Olympic sport. So there's a, there's a mature development pathway there as, mm-hmm. as a coach within a young sport now, CrossFit, like, uh, do you look at the kind of, I've described it a few times as we're backfilling. I think I said this to Evie, right? And that we're back cause she, she did it as a teen as well. Or we're backfilling mm-hmm. a little bit, the kind of development pathways. I mean, do you kind of like, do you look at kind of grassroots CrossFit at the kind of teen level at the youth level? And is that something you're passionate about because you've had experience of it as a, as a, as a kid as well in a different sport? I'll tell you what, it's, it's, it's funny you've actually said, said that. Um, so like you said, there's, there's kind of a pathway, isn't there in sailing, cycling, all the other kind of Olympic sports, there is some sort of pathway there. Um, and have it, and because that was there, it gave all those juniors and youths that got into sailing at a younger level, you know, a bit of a, it gave you, gave you like guidance and it gave you a route to go down. And it actually, because that was in place, it shows you how you can develop, you know, as like an athlete, if you want to be, or, you know, if you do want to pro- progress. Um and I'd I'd love to somehow try and create that in in CrossFit somehow, whether in CrossFit it's because it's um, you know it's not kind of like uh, what's the word a recognised a sport. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't have a, like the the governing body. In the yeah, same maybe it'll go more down kind of the cycling route where there's teams, maybe you know, kind of like the mm-hmm. Tour de France sort of thing. Um, but like I say, I. I and I've already kind of started to put a few bits together, but I'd love to create this pathway where there is kind of grassroots and there is a pathway that, you know, juniors and youths can kind of come up through. Um, You know, we're trying to, we're trying to start help more teens to kind of come through. Um, But at the moment with the resources that we've got, there's only, there's only so much we can do. And it's, I'll be honest, it's, it's quite frustrating really because you're like, there's so, it's, there's so much opportunity there, but I just don't think at the grassroots level, there's the, I don't feel like the opportunities are being presented. So for example, mm. I'm sure there's quite a lot of teams, you know, doing classes at the gyms, but how many of them are doing competitions? Not that many, like, if a gym said, oh, why don't you try doing the Breen, the British Team Championships, you know, just to give them a bit of an introduction to it, I'm sure they'd be, you know, they'd get probably more hooked into it um, quite quickly and want to develop as well. Um, mm. 
so yeah, I'd, I'd yeah, I'd love to um, you know create something that would help um, you know make that happen, especially within the UK. If we if we could create yeah. you know a, a British pathway for that, um, I feel like it'd be amazing because there's some really good teams. Me and Steve went down to the British Team Championships a couple of months ago, um, and it's a CrossFit like affiliated event now so you know if you win you can actually say that you are the british team crossfit champion um and i just think uh like i say there's there were some really good teams there and there was a young girl doing you know phoebe davis i think she was called sleep programs for now like she can do 15 bar muscle ups and broken and when you watch her do them in the final you like you're literally blown away by what this you know these young athletes can do so um, but like I say, to be able to give these teen athletes more opportunities would be would be amazing. It's just having the time to create that as well as look after elite kind of level athletes yeah. and program for you know everyone on JST compete and still give them you know what they need to develop as well. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, there's not enough hours in the day at the moment to do. Uh, all these things but hopefully we'll be able to uh, put something to, to, together sooner rather than later yeah and uh, absolutely like you say there's any the the sport is still young there's only a certain number of hours in the day and I think any sport right will have often the development program will have taken decades to develop right but we're in the 21st century and we just expect to have everything kind of like ready made to, to roll out and these these things you know the sport's been around for 15 years if you're being generous really so these, these things true. do take, do take it's, time it's, it's also like i feel like we're that we're at the point now where it was it 1997 or 1998 that uh like you know like rowing and cycling and sailing that's when uh, lottery funding came in. And I feel yeah. like we're at this point now, just before it, where like athletes are obviously having to make their own ends meet. Like if you listen to Chris Hoy speak about it, you know, he was moved down to Man- Manchester, was living in a flat. Like he wasn't paid to be a full-time athlete until that 1998 um, you know, he was having to kind of have a job on the side and make ends meet, which is what a lot of CrossFit athletes are having to do at the moment. I mean, sure, you've got, you know, some guys like Zach George, who can make a full time living out of it. But still, most like decent level, you know, semi-final athletes have probably got to do something else on the side as well. Yeah. Um, so I feel like we're at this tipping point where it's maybe going to start to become more professional and potentially more team uh more teams getting together because i don't know if you saw the other week um there was jilhem malheros and it pretty much looked like mayhem had signed him because he was there holding up his t-shirt yeah yeah, you know he's now a mayhem athlete so maybe it's going to go down that route a bit more i'm I'm not too sure um yeah so yeah we'll see what happens again it's one of them things as well and all with with us and jst you've almost got to try and, you know, stay ahead of the curve or predict what's going to happen and what's going to come up because you've, you've got to be the first to kind of, you know, making it happen, so to speak, um, so that you're ahead of everyone else as well, which I feel like we've always been been pretty good at. So it's you've got to continue to, you know, to do that. Um, 
on that side of things as well. So, mm. yeah, and, and there's always that element of being a, being ahead of the c- curve or being the visionary means you're you're perhaps having to kind of make the rule book up as you not the rule book, but make it up as you it's go true. along. You know, do have you know work out what works, work out what doesn't work. And, and, you know, that's, uh, which is exciting, but also kind of daunting, especially when you've got, you know, elite athletes and the kind of the wider GST compete program to kind of keep on top of as well. If we are talking specifically about whether it be training camps for teens or training camps for kind of like, you know, the open division athletes. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I think it, the future's bright though, and I think like you know the, the sport is only going to continue to grow. I mean, we're, we're still like tenfold. We must be at least tenfold smaller than the than the US in terms of kind of numbers participating in the Open is one way of kind of like trying to measure the size of the sport. Um, but we've, I think, like you look at like you mentioned at the British Teen Championships is a sanctioned CrossFit event. You know, the US have only just started getting those as well. And yeah, you know, they've got the Comp Train Academy, which is looking at having that grassroots kind of like kind of teen academy level. So, you know, I think it's it's exciting and and, and fingers crossed the sport continues to grow and, and we can kind of see see more of that because it will only sustain the sport more in in the future as well agreed you know i feel like for the size of the country that we are we we do amazing in sport and i I always get super fired up every time you know the olympics rolls around like i couldn't feel any you know prouder to be to be british and it'd be amazing to do that you know on the crossfit side of things as well like you know that we're over overachieved for the for the size that we are um so yeah, I'm hoping once we move into our new facility that you know we'll be able to kind of start to make more of these things happen. So, ah, uh, brilliant. And and I mean, yeah, talking about kind of the UK, I think one thing I'll just say on that, and you know, if we look at the, there was a good contingent went to the UK, went to the games this year. Um, you know, off mm-hmm. the back of kind of you know far too much lockdown um yeah, so I, I'm, I think the future is really bright for for 2022 i'm expecting to see a lot more a uh, lot more uh you know union flags over over in madison i think it's going to be awesome and, and at many other comps i think there'll be plenty going to waterpalooza before that <laughs> yeah we, there's a, a good few that are going i know we, we've got hopefully two teams that have that are going to go with uh reggie's obviously qualified and sophia as well but like i say i hope next year Obviously, we have two British, was it two, three British teams there this year, which is at the games, which is pretty awesome. I hope this year we can replicate that, if not get more teams there. I know we'll be trying to get a team in there next year. Um, but yeah, it'd be good to see, you know, more athletes making, making the British athletes, making the games individually as well. I just feel like we should be getting more British people to to the games. I feel like we should be having more kind of, elite level training camps and that sort of stuff. So mm. it's one of them where I feel like the top individual guys in the UK have got so much going on to kind of keep the sponsors happy that maybe, you know, it's quite hard to to also find a spare weekend to meet up with, you know, to get them all together. So again, it's where these are the commitments come in to try and make, make ends meet, isn't it? So, mm. yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's like, you know, you mentioned earlier about that tipping point in terms of more athletes being able to commit full time to training. You know, once those 
kind of brand relationships start bearing fruit and are more self-sustaining, that the athletes really can focus on their training, following that tipping point follows the competitive tipping point that we suddenly just start seeing every year, you know, multiple kind of individual and teams, teams um, making it all the way to, to the, the kind of pinnacle of the sport in Madison or wherever CrossFit move it to next. <laughs> It's, it's true. It's true. Like the the guys who are at the top in the UK at the moment, they're the people that are probably going to inspire, you know, this next generation that that are coming through, um, especially, you know, the, the teams that are like maybe 14 to 18 at the moment. They'll be looking up to the, you know, the Zach Georges and the Sam Briggs and, um, you know, everyone else uh, that's, you know, up there in the UK and thinking, like, especially if they meet them, it's like, oh, wow, like, you know, this person's, you just think this person's awesome. I want to do that. Um, okay. So, again, more the more British people that we can get to the games, the more tangible it's going to feel for these younger athletes that they can then do that. So, mm. yeah, we'll, we'll uh, oh. see what happens. Yeah, 100%. Uh, well, Jack, thank you very much. You've got me absolutely buzzing for the future and I'm well over the hill. So, you know, I can only imagine those that are, uh, you know, a, a little a little uh, kind of a, more of a spring chicken and a bit more competitive than me. I'll be, uh, be loving hearing that. And, and I think, it's, yeah, thank you very much for kind of sharing sharing your 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 experience, but also your your thoughts for the future as well. Yeah, it's, it's great to talk about it because, like you say, I, like I get fired up and, ting, you know, I've got the tingles now kind of talking about that as well. It gets, <laughs> it gets me excited. So, you know, I want to help as many athletes become the best they can, whether it's, you know, they want to go to the CrossFit Games or if they just want to, you know, compete at a national level competition while balancing home life and a job and everything else you know i just want to help as many people as possible but like i say it'd be super cool to create that pathway and help more teams you know actually create something that they can see a future in so yeah great stuff to see you as well tom yeah thanks again jack